You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's Uncle Silk. It's your boy, 35, the All-American. Not so sick anymore. What's up, Dan? And then it's Dan, Black. Glad you're back, baby. Yeah, man, I shook back. I had to shake back. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't Jordan like Silk. I couldn't, I couldn't you know, be, be on the show and, and had a flu. That, I, I ain't that tough. But, uh, yeah, it's not Jordan. It's more like... Um, Magic, you know what I'm saying? You nah, I, I can't be like Magic either. <laughs> uh, easy, easy. <laughs> You're too far. <laughs> that comparison. <laughs> I don't want to be like Magic. How you feeling, man? You good? Yeah, I shook back, man. It was just uh, I went and worked out Sunday uh, down in Lakeland, and then uh, you know, I just, um, before I came back, uh, I just wasn't feeling well. Um, ended up coming back Sunday night. And you know, getting ready for for work Monday morning, and I just felt awful. So I went to the doctor, and uh, I had the flu. So uh, doc sat me down, and until Thursday, and I, so I had to get yeah. over that. He put some meds in me, man. But I don't. I shook back now. I'm good. Yeah, this new flu hit a little different, don't it? Yeah, I don't know about this, man. It's, I'm getting a flu shot next year for sure, for sure, though. Yeah, I'm cool on the flu shot, man. But um, what'd you get into over the weekend, Dad? <laughs> uh, my parents came into town from uh, from down in South Florida, so hung out uh, with them for the weekend. Uh, other than that, just kind of just kind of relaxed, man. Watched a uh, started watching a new documentary. We were talking about it right before the show called McMillions, uh, which is about the guys that that rigged the McDonald's Monopoly game. So uh, didn't really know much about that. So uh, so got to watch that. So. Uh, other than that, a relatively uh, relaxing weekend, and actually just came back about ten minutes before this podcast started from uh, from the wine bar. So I was drinking some nice fine white burgundy before we started. Nice, yes, yeah, sir. Hey, you feel like you sound like you feeling a little bit? Yeah, I gotta check yeah, yeah. that documentary out. I heard it's pretty yeah. dope. A couple people don't told me it was dope. I gotta check that one out. Absolutely, yeah, by, I'm definitely gonna check it so out. So, what did you do? By, by any chance, either. Oh, I just I just kind of relaxed, man. Spent a lot of time with the family. Just kicked it. Uh, didn't really get out, man. Been just away so many weekends. So anytime I could just relax and just chill, you know what I'm saying? I just like to just kick it. So uh, hit the track, with my son. Hit the basketball court, with my son, and just just kind of vibe, relax. Call I call it the Michael Max documentary. That was pretty dope. Um, finished the Michael Vick Thirty for Thirty. Man, some all all, all the All Star Weekend shenanigans. For basketball, the NBA. I didn't catch any of the Billy D. Did you catch the Billy D, Billy Donovan uh, court ceremony and whatnot? Yo, I I, I caught it. And low, listen though, in the middle of his speech, they they cut it off. Did you did you see that there? The I did. Of, I saw. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that. Yeah, that, so that was awful. I mean, it, you just man giving his speech because they just named the court after him and they cut off cut him off in the middle of the of the speech to go on commercial break. Like what type of shit is that? Yeah, bro. But I'll uh, I'll give a shout out to all the Gators that made it out there. Uh, we we were giving uh, Maurice Spade some 
a little bit of it last week uh, when he said that he didn't really know that uh, Billy Donovan was being named. Uh, the core was being named after him last week, and he said he was going to be there. And we talked after the uh, after the show, and uh, we we're like, "Yeah, I'm just not sure he's going to make it," but sure enough, he was there. But it was cool to see Noah and Brewer and Spades and uh, Beal and you know some of your unsung heroes, your uh, your Lee Humphreys, your. Um, uh, Vernon Macklin, there's a bunch of older Gators there too. So uh, it was awesome. There was probably 30, 40 uh, former players that were there. And it was awesome to see Billy D uh, out there uh, getting the core named after him. Man, it was, it was, it was awesome. And then they have a, a huge victory. I mean, the Gators were up, I think like 47 to 48, uh, 19 at the end of the first half. So they came out uh, shooting and, and hitting everything. So it was a, a good way to welcome uh, Billy D back. See what Billy D in the building do to the team? You see? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's, I yeah. thing was, though, man, we, got, <laughs> we also got an opportunity to, you know, to watch history. You know, we watched Billy D uh, coach some great Gator teams. I mean, I can remember Mike Miller and those guys and Haslam. And, you know, I could just, you know, go yep. keep going on. And, on. Um, and, and then to see him win two national championships to, to bring to the University of Florida, we could, we could possibly, no bullshit, probably have about four or five as well. I think we got to the Final Four a couple of times with Billy. Um, there's a couple of times mm-hmm. we lost in the elite eight. We up in the second half. We should have won those. Um, you know, but but nonetheless, um, and then you know, we see uh, the court being named after him. That's probably be for forever. You know, so um, I, I'm just thankful that we got the opportunity to even watch this guy in action. You know, then we got Steve Spurrier feel. Um, got to see Spurrier, you know, coach and and, and whatnot. Yep. So um, I, I think that's that's super dope. We live in a, in a great time right now. You know, just a just a quick story. I didn't want to I didn't want to go to UF for undergrad. I wanted to go up to school in Washington D.C. or go to school in North Carolina, but uh, ended up at UF. And um, you know, looking back on it, I grew up a Gator. My mom went there. It has nothing to do with UF. It had everything to do with me. But uh, but to be able to be there and Black, you and I were were there at almost the exact same time. But to be there the same time that Urban Meyer was there, that Billy Donovan was there, uh, to be able to look back now and just realize how lucky you are that you know forever that the O'Connell Center, or the Exact Tech Arena, whatever they're going to call it is there it's gonna be named billy donovan uh you know court and you know throughout your life you see all these places that are named for people ben hill griffin you know and obviously he was a donor but you, you see all these places that were named for people that were there before your time to be able to be there you know when my entire undergraduate career to see you know the greatest coach in uf history be there uh w- was really cool and really magical and it was, it was cool to see you know all of the players that came back to support him um you know just he just means so much and to uh, you know, be able to give back to UF that way is in the way that UF gave back to him. Pardon me, uh, is really cool to see. Yeah, very dope stuff, man. Um, for I hope the basketball team keeps playing well uh, and, and make a run in the tournament. I'm not getting my hopes up, um, but we'll see, man. Definitely, yeah. we, we definitely gonna see. tune in for the tournament if we make it. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a Gator fan, but I don't know. I can't get my hopes too too high. You know, I can't. But I mean, I think that this is the thing that's the most frustrating, right? Is you see a team, and I know that Vanderbilt's not very good, don't get me wrong. I mean, they did beat LSU, but you see a team that obviously is able to shoot and make buckets. They were up 48 to 19 at halftime. You just, pardon me, want to be able to see that more and more often. And I'm yeah. hoping that we're like finally turning that corner. But like, like you said, I'm not going to get my hopes up because like yeah, we've I, seen I, huge wins over Auburn, and then it just bounced back the next week, and you're like, why we got to shoot like that against Vanderbilt though? Why we why we can't shoot like that against Kentucky or LSU? Or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, well, we've the, got Kentucky in a, in a couple weeks or a couple been, days. So. Three, you know, so that, that's that's the thing that you know 
I, I think what frustrates us Gators fans is because we know what type of team we really have. We 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 know what type of players we got. So you know when they come out and 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 bust Vanderbilt and and they shit early, and then we we go play somebody like LSU or, or Auburn or something, and then we can't make nothing. And then now we're looking crazy because we can't get no offense going. I wonder why. So uh, you know. Uh, Let's go, Gator. Yeah, man. Uh, square peg, round <laughs> hole. Um, but we'll see how it works out. We'll see what Blanco does with these guys the rest of the season, SEC tournament play, and then hopefully um, the big tournament. We'll see. We got to get a, a a great Gator writer on. He was here briefly That's for right. a short time, but we got to go over this Gator football news. Why not bring Will Salmon on? Let's do it. Friend of the show. Absolutely. Go Brewers. <laughs> you have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And then joining us for his fourth, fifth time, potentially his last time, but hopefully not, is Milwaukee's Brewer writer, former Florida Gators and Mississippi State writer, Will Salmon. Reporting live from Arizona. Will, how are you? Doing well, Dan. Thanks for having me on. I hope you guys have been doing well. I guess this is the first for uh, Stadium and Gale, one of my favorite podcasts, having Milwaukee Brewers writer on, not to talk about the Brewers, <laughs> <laughs> of course, but but to have a Milwaukee Brewers writer on the podcast. So glad to be that first one for you hey, guys. Hey, hey, we got a, we got a, uh, we got a former Lakeland Dreadnought on the Milwaukee Brewers team, uh, Keon Broxton. So Keon Broxton from Lakeland? Oh yeah, we got athletes. <laughs> yeah, man, from Lakeland. Dude, I didn't know that. Wow, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna come up to him tomorrow, and, and now I'm gonna t- I'm gonna talk to him about this. Yeah, yeah. To the bottom of this. I, 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 I have no was, idea. That, 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 that was a wild too on our on our championship. Did yeah. not realize that. Wow, I'm yeah. looking this up right now. Well, yeah, wow, I'm, my mind is like blown. So this yeah, is like man, live. Uh, Chris Elliott too from uh, Chris Elliott Red Sox too. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Broxton's such a cool dude, though. Like, I, I, I spoke, he's like one of the first, he's a guy that everybody seemed to know in the clubhouse, so it was, it was pretty easy to kind of just introduce myself and stuff, but man, yeah. had I known that? Yeah. Well, I had look at, tomorrow, so. look, look at that, look at that. And then, of course, you can, uh, you have Christian Yelich, who is probably the 100th baseball player that the Florida Marlins have ever traded away, that turns out to be one of the best players in Major League Baseball, so, um, so yeah. Anyway, yeah, hey, Will, yeah, we, uh, unfortunately today, maybe maybe the next time, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the Milwaukee Brewers, but we want to talk to you today, uh, you know, this may be one of your last official capacities where you're talking about the Florida Gators, uh, you know, during your time, and you were fortunate enough to work with the Athletic and cover, you know, Dan Mullen during his time at Mississippi State, and then when, um, you know, Florida had an athletic side announced, you were you were immediately named. So, uh, first off, I want to thank you, Manny. I think you gave a, a different perspective than a lot of the the, the beat writers and a lot of the folks that, um, you know, that cover the team and no disrespect to them is just a, a different uh, perspective added. So, uh, you know, Will, I, I guess from your perspective and kind of, as you look back in the last, you know, three, four, five years covering uh, Dan Mullen, what are, what are some of your, your highlights or what are some of your favorite memories that you have? You know, I think Dan Mullen always, uh, always was somebody who kind of kept things real with me. Like I knew what I was getting from the guy and that was really 
cool to work with somebody like that because he wasn't putting on a show. I felt like I never felt like I was talking to somebody who was disingenuous or wasn't going to give me exactly what was on his mind. Now, sometimes, sometimes maybe some people would disagree with what was on his mind. Of course. Right. We've seen that before, but one thing that you always knew was that he was going to tell it the way it was from his perspective. And so I appreciated that a lot. You know, I think one of the, one of the cooler, cooler things of it, and this is kind of like a recent, a recent type of deal, but um, just to kind of give you an idea of like, just how, how, um, how much I think about him and his family, just as people, uh, they actually invited me uh, by their home before I left to go to, before I left to go to spring training about a week or so prior to, I guess my last day or a few days before my last day as officially a Florida Gator writer. And, you know, I just want, I just want to drop by and just say thanks to, you know, in a professional way of uh, letting them know, Hey, I was moving on. Um, The relationship meant a lot because they were able to kind of share some things to me. And I always thought that my job was to relay that to the audience. And I always put myself in the fans shoes of what in the world would I want to read today? If I was a big Florida fan, you know, and that's, I feel like that's your job that's your job to do not what's going to make you happy or what's going to curry favors with anybody or whatever, whatever it is. The job is to write what the fans want to read. And so that always motivated me. Um, But through doing that, you know, you're able to develop these cool relationships and um, Dan Mullen and his family were were certainly one of them. And, you know, honestly, I mean, like the dude was in his kitchen going over the brewer's schedule with me, you know, pointing out like road trips, Hey, you got to do this. You got to do that. And I share that um, just to say that, you know, he always, just to give an example of why I say that he came across pretty genuine with me and um, just kind of gave me who he was for better or worse. Um, and a lot of times it was for better. I mean, the dude's the head coach of Florida for a reason, and he, he's been able to um, build relationships uh, through recruiting and through his staffing for reasons. And that's just because I feel like he, he's just not phony. Um, you know, you just know what you're getting with Dan Mullen. So there, there's that aspect of it too, but also the other folks on his staff, I think that people um, sort of um, don't know a whole lot about some of those guys, but they're, they're coming up. I mean, it's like sort of the deal where like you put in enough work and people start to notice like Christian Robinson. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on with uh, covering that guy. Uh, you could easily tell why he's so good at recruiting uh, because of how much he cares about people. Um, that's It shines through and he's somebody who could easily read uh, sort of like what your intentions are, what your motivations are, um, because he knows what his, what his, uh, consists of. So, uh, he, he was always, always a pleasure to cover. Um, and also Todd Grantham, I think he kind of goes a little bit under the radar, but he's kind of similar in that vein where you knew exactly what you were getting from him as well. Uh, from a reporter, uh, just talking with him on a day to day sort of thing and trying to understand like what his philosophies are, he's going to tell it like it is as well. And so I think that's partially why that staff has had success, particularly with, with some levels of recruiting over the past couple of cycles, um, uh, just because they're, they're able to kind of share who they are and they're not going to sell, sell kids and their families on something that they can't deliver on. I love it. So, so Will, where do you, where do you see Florida projecting? I mean, you know, given your knowledge of the team now, obviously your knowledge of Dan Mullen and his staff and his ability to, you know, recruit and, and, and team build, cause you've, you've covered the team a bit longer or Dan Mullen and his staff a bit longer. Where do you see the ceiling of the Florida team over the next, you know, couple of years? They should be able to compete for 
the college football playoff. I think it's not out of the realm of possibility to kind of see them in that mix for 2020. I, I really don't think so. I know that I, I've seen some articles just browsing around, whatever, killing time before the clubhouse opens here. <laughs> and I've seen some articles just about like how they're kind of like becoming like a trendy pick for the SEC. I get that, uh, but it's easy to kind of gloss over some of their deficiencies from last year and just say like, oh, it's going to be better. You don't really know that the offensive line is going to be better. You know, you don't really know exactly um, how how the offense is going to gel without those uh, big time wide receivers, experienced wide receivers, like Michael Pirine. So those are some things that have to be figured out. But we, we always just go back to the idea that they have the right people in place for development and instruction with that staff. So you just think that they're going to get the most out of the guys that they brought in and the guys who have been on this team for a couple of years now, who are going to be in a position where they have the opportunity for a larger role, like a Damian Pierce, for example, somebody like that. So I see it as 2020 could be a year where they, they get into the college football playoff, or at least they're knocking right on the doorstep of it uh, as the number five or six team at the worst. But I know that the staff likes this group. Like I said, there are some deficiencies or there, there are some question marks, I should say. Um, even on defense, there's a little bit of a question mark, I guess, with what you're getting out of, say, like the linebacker group, you know, without uh, David Reese. So there, there's just questions like that that you could poke holes in. But I feel like they're they're as good a roster as pretty much any of the any of the other contenders at this point, just because of how they've been able to kind of plug holes. Whereas, yeah, they're not maybe recruiting at the top five level, that that tippy top elite status. But they're at a respectable point right now in back-to-back classes. I like the 2020 class a lot. I felt like they have a lot more depth than they had last year, notwithstanding the, the attrition. Um, but also they've been able to plug holes with uh, the transfer portal, similar to the way that Dan Mullen was able to do that with JUCO recruiting in Mississippi. I think that he'd be the first one to tell you that some of those lessons that he learned and, and what he looks for and how he's able to quickly develop, uh, quickly um, evaluate guys and say that's the guy for me and get them into a place where they can produce in a short amount of time that comes with experience and that's why we've been able to see him kind of hit on almost every single transfer that he's brought in or really every transfer that he's brought in I should say at Florida so far do you do you think in your mind will obviously you know watching with Florida watching Mississippi State that Dan Mullen is a coach that's capable of, of winning a national championship Oh yeah, no question. I don't think there's any doubt. Um, I think he's super underrated. I, I still, I still think he's underrated. And you know, I've been, I've been seeing those articles about how he's underrated for like five years now. You know, like it's the same type of deal where he's just never really gotten, in my opinion, the respect that he deserves as a, as a head, as just a football coach. You can say what you want about the recruiting stuff, whatever, but it's just strictly football. X's and O's, calling plays, building a program. I don't know too many guys who are better than him, um, really. And so, yeah, I think that what's been missing is just that difference of talent. Um, that's That was a difference at Mississippi State when he was battling those teams in the SEC West. Um, that has been the difference so far against Georgia. But I just don't see that being something that's going to cripple that any further based on how he's filling out the roster with better talent, um, getting guys who he wants, and, you know, like I mentioned before with Christian Robinson recruiting, I think the 2021 class is a great example. That dude has been working on that class for three years. I mean, it's going to work out because they've been able to put in the work for it this time. Um, so I, I feel I'm pretty bullish on their chances in 2020 and 2021 
um, without even knowing really what the roster is going to exactly look like that far down the road, but just knowing what they have and what they've established in place as far as just the overall big picture, pro, uh, big picture look at the program. I know we, uh, we kind of got a, not, I don't want to say easier schedule, um, than, than usual this year, this coming up year. Um, do you see any games that we might have to focus on a little bit more or, you know, some teams that we, yeah, I'd say it would be an easier schedule. (laughs) I say it for you. That schedule is easier. Um, you know, I mean, like there's still Georgia there. I mean, they used to look at the, the teams, but that's probably the other part of it that I neglected to mention is that, yeah, you know, I think, I think that if push came to shove, you know, I kind of like a little bit more of the 2019 team than this 2020 team, just because of how experienced that group was where, and the production level, I feel like you had a little bit of fewer question marks, even though, yeah, the offensive line should probably in theory be better. Like I said, you just don't know. Um, yeah. But with that schedule, man, they should they should get to 11, 10 and 2, 11 and 1. I mean, easily. I don't want, well, not easily, but I mean, come on. I feel like there's always a game or so where it kind of creeps up on you where it's like you shouldn't have lost that one. That's college football. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like you look at the crossover game, it's at Ole Miss, probably mm-hmm. getting them at the right time too. Um, be a little bit earlier in the season, I guess. So I feel like Lane Kiffin and that group will get that program going sooner rather than later. So if you, uh, if you can get them as early as possible, that's probably in your best interest. Right. And right. they do. Um, you have LSU that's going to, I don't, obviously they're not going to be in rebuild mode. They're LSU, but they lost so many aspects of that team as everybody knows. Um, so there's that. Um, so I, I feel like you just got to beat Georgia. And if you could beat Georgia, you got the opportunity to, um, to really get to a point where you're doing some things that haven't been done in a long time here or there. Hey, Will, you pretty close to Mullen. What was over the summer was, was, was a, a shit show. What, what was he like over the summer when dealing with that, like on a personal level, like, how was he dealing with it outside of being the coach? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it was a bad spot. Um, it, and it's a tough spot because, and I think, I think I remember talking with you guys about this on, on an episode, like last, I guess it was probably last summer at this point, but you know, as a head coach, like there's only so much that you could really say and share with those type of deals, you know? And it's like, I feel like people are just never really going to know the full story. I don't know the full story about a lot of that stuff. Um, and, and it's just, you, because you can't, you, you just, if I knew the whole story about it, I probably would have written about it. You know, and that's the thing. It's like, that's why people don't want to kind of share the whole thing about it because it, they just don't want it out there. Um, but it, it was, it was, it was a bad, it, it was a rough time, I guess, for him. Um, just because it was just like, there was, it, it was a, it was a, a rough, a rough probably week or so, just because there was a lot going on at once. And there was, some stuff like in the national media or like the national spotlight that you know how it is sometimes like when you're not there every day sort of boots on the ground type of deal you don't have the whole context of what exactly has happened and you know different sides of it and all that type of stuff and so um you're going with a lot of like hot take stuff um you know across different outlets and different websites that did you see a demeanor change for whatever reason did you personally see like his demeanor change or his personality? Uh, was he down? Like, what was his demeanor like during all of this? I'm just, just curious. No, I, I mean, I think he handled it fairly well. Um, I don't think like he was. I, I just know that it was, it was hard to kind of deal with internally 
probably yeah. just from talking with him, but it wasn't something that he allowed to show uh, in like that sort of demeanor, that sort of like physical part. Like you wouldn't be, have been able to read it so much on his face where he brought that shit into like the room that he was sitting in sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I didn't quite get that part of it. I just know that it wasn't the easiest type of shit for them, to, for him or really his wife, Megan Mullen, who, who's obviously by his side all the time to kind of uh, be answering to and experiencing. Do you think, I know Billy Gonzalez is, is, is a close guy to him and also um, Greg Knox is another guy on the staff. Both of those, in my opinion, struggle with recruiting. Do you ever see a way where um, Dan Mullen fires or replace any of those guys? Yes and no. Um, the knee-jerk thing is to say no just because he's always had them. And my thing is that he really cares about how his offense functions and how his program functions on a day-to-day basis on the field and in the development aspect. And I know fans like to uh, criticize roughly. So I mean, that's their prerogative. That's, that's totally cool. Um, but those guys do have track records. And like when I got here in 2018, the big thing was how much, the, how much Florida sucked on special teams the year prior. And that was a small problem in a season full of larger problems, but that's no longer a problem. And some of that has to do with Greg Knox. Um, and that's part of like that. That was part of his job title as part of what he does. Um, so like there's different aspects of these guys, as far as the recruiting goes, you know, I asked on signing day, that was, that was the last question I ever asked him as a, as a reporter in a press conference setting was pretty much like, how do you evaluate your assistant coaches in terms of recruiting? And what I was trying to get at is exactly what you asked is what does it take for somebody to completely screw up where you've got to get rid of the guy? Because that's what he did with Sal Sinceri, uh, with defensive line. Like they struggled so much. He thought that he had to get, he had to make a change. Like development wasn't there. Grades of that, of those guys weren't, weren't up to par and the recruiting sucked. Um, so that, that he made a change there, but the difference, like you mentioned, is that Sal didn't work for Dan, you know, for the past 10, 15 years, uh, whereas Billy and, and Greg have. So I, my first instinct is to say it, it probably wouldn't happen. Um, or it would take a whole lot, but at the same time, like I've seen Dan Mullen now sort of evolve a little bit where he's open to different things. And I think he's taking things a little bit more, I don't want to say seriously, but he's uh, putting a higher premium on certain things. So I don't want to put it out of like the realm of possibility just because it hasn't ever, it hasn't really happened that way in the past because he's seen, he, he has shown me enough and his evolve, him evolving as a coach for me to think that, you know, if it's going to cost him games, he's going to make a change. If it's going to cost him that much, he's going to make a change. I'm just not convinced that he's seen it that way where it's cost him a certain player or it's cost them enough where he has to make a change. Okay. I like, I like that. Um, yeah, I agree with you a lot. Of I like the Tim Brewster hire. I think that's going to, um, that's going to take our recruiting up to, to another notch. Um, speaking of change, yeah, I like him a lot too. Yeah, I like, I like go ahead. Like the yeah. perfect example of like a guy who goes to go somewhere else because he was he was with Dan Mullen before, but he left for a better job. And you know, like now we see Dan Mullen is more established at Florida, and a guy like Tim Brewster, who's certainly accomplished in his own right, wants to work with Dan Mullen. 
So like, that's also something that tells you like, Hey, you know, Mullen is doing some good things there because you don't get a guy like Brewster to come to, come to Florida. Um, unless you're, you're, you're somebody who's established and you're somebody that guys want to work for. Yeah, I agree. Um, we were talking about changes before. Let me get your opinion on my man Emery. Uh, and, and we, I know you spoke highly of him of him before. How do you think it plays out next year? How do you think this offense can, can kind of figure its way out to look more like a Dan Mullins offense? Or do you think? Yeah, it, yeah it I like him a lot in, in that in that quarterback role. I don't think he's going to start the season there. I don't think he's going to take that first snap. I don't think he's going to play more than Kyle Trask, barring an injury. Um, those are just my guesses um, as we, as we talk on February 17th, but I, in a perfect world, just from knowing how the offense can operate, I'd love to see him take that next step where, where he is taking a lot more responsibility. He's throwing the ball a little bit more um, early on too, so that you know exactly what you're getting and people aren't, you know, like I felt like defenses knew what was coming sometimes when he was on the field. You know, it's like, you just knew yeah. that he was going to run the ball somewhere. And so, like, after a while, it was a little bit less effective than it was um, at certain points of the season earlier on. So, you know, you got to get him in a position where you're comfortable with him throwing and everybody's comfortable with him throwing. Why do you think it's that? Why because, they wouldn't be. Yeah, because watching watching Emory do uh, – when he did throw the ball, he was efficient with his throws. I mean, he, t- he took us down the field on Auburn with some drives. He made some key throws in the LSU game. So we've seen him make the throws, and when he when he does pass the ball, why do you think he doesn't pass as much? That's the million dollar question, man. <laughs> you know, is it is it a, like I don't know? I really that that's that's what stumps that's what stumped me pretty much all toward the end of last year is like why are they just not throwing? Like maybe you could argue that they that they don't necessarily need it because Kyle was for the most part did a great job, I thought. But if you're going to play the guy as much as you're playing him, which is pretty much every game, I'm talking about Emory Jones, like I said before, like wouldn't you just want to keep the defense a little bit more honest with it? I don't know. I mean, that's just me. Um, because then toward the end, like you're alluding to, like he did have a game or so where he threw the ball well, I thought. Um, so I don't know. I, I, for whatever reason, it's pretty, it's pretty clear that they're not quite on board with that or they just wanted him as that runner I don't know. I I would prefer. I would much prefer to see him throw the ball much, you know, with a lot more frequency than last year for sure. Uh, Will, going back to your time covering Dan at Mississippi State and then now Florida, what what have you seen has has changed out of him during those you know four years that you covered him? Yeah, that's a great question. I think like the willingness to kind of change his philosophies on things was was big. Uh, One thing in particular was just the recruiting department. And that's what I was kind of referring to when I said, like, if it's going to cost him, he's going to make changes. We saw that in um, 2018 with uh, their off-the-field recruiting staff. I I thought it wasn't very good at all. Um, I thought it was very messy. I thought they didn't have the right people there. Um, I just didn't like the personnel outside of a couple of folks. Like, you know, uh, there were a couple of folks who did a really great job, like Joey Fitzgerald, Lee uh, Lee Davis, of course. couple of other people, uh, Kobe, Kirby O'Meara, who's still, who's still mm-hmm. with the program. The, the people who were kept on uh, do great work, but the people who just had to be let go, I mean, that, that was a major reason. Um, but even just to have like a department that's kind of functioning at a high level, that's something that took time for Dan Mullen to really get going. He didn't have that necessarily at Mississippi State until like 2017. 
you know, 2016, his second to last year there. So it took a while to kind of get that going and to get on the same level as some of the, some of his peers in that way. So he's changing that in that, in that sense. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I think that one of my first interactions with him, you know, cause he had kind of like a reputation of being a little bit prickly with like reporters in some, in some instances, like back in the day. And so I came up to him one day and I was like, man, I don't feel like I'm getting like the damn moment experience here. Like I'm not getting like, you haven't yelled at me. You haven't like, uh, <laughs> you haven't called me out for a stupid question or anything. Like you haven't made me feel dumb or anything like that. <laughs> and like, not that he did that constantly, but you know, you can kind of see that a little bit on YouTube or whatnot, mm-hmm. just a short fuse for, for, for bullshit or for nonsense. Um, and I think that his tolerance level is a little bit higher when it comes to that. And he's yeah. able to kind of showcase a lot more of his personality that way where he he's able to play a little bit you know he's gonna he's gonna volley with people you know you see that in the press conferences he's actually having fun with it as opposed to just like being kind of fed up like dude don't waste my time sort of thing he plays around with it and i think the fans benefit from that because they kind of see a different side of it um where they kind of see him as just a regular dude sometimes when he's up at the podium um, cause he, he can go off on a tangent and honestly, mm-hmm. those could be like one of the more interesting things that he says, um, when he's up there and that didn't really happen in Mississippi state. It was more like, these are the questions that are going to be answered and he's going to answer them and that's going to be it. So that's been cool. That was kind of cool to see, um, in Gainesville was that sort of, uh, playful side, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause he does have a pretty cool personality. Like he, yeah. he, he's super smart and he has a lot of knowledge about a lot of different shit. So uh, yeah. it's cool to kind of see that come out. Yeah, he, he's, he's a very, very smart guy. I saw that when I uh, was on staff with him. Uh, Will, I, I mean, let's let's switch, you know, sides here uh, as, you know, this is, you know, potentially, you know, not going to say for sure it is, but potentially the last time we, we get to have you on Stadium and Gale other than maybe talking about a Florida Gators player that maybe makes the Brewers. I uh, want to talk to you a little bit about <laughs> your story because you kind of came, you know, the, the beat for the most part has been kind of the same, you know, guys for the last, you know, let's just say five years or so, you know, add a name, add a name there. But, you know, for the most part, it's the same, you know, you know, kind of, you know, names that we've seen forever. And you kind of burst onto the scene. You have, you know, kind of a different approach with the athletic and it's, it's more storytelling. It's, you know, more behind the scenes. It's a little bit different than your traditional beat writing. I want to talk to you a little bit about that, but first I want to know like how you ultimately got here. I mean, Will is, you know, obviously a guy that we know for, for writing great stories and everything else, but you know, you, you, you seem to stay, you know, quasi private about your, your life and everything else. So talk to us a little bit about where you're from, how you got here, you know, schooling, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, man, I appreciate you asking that just because, you know, I'm not, I'm just never, I've never been one of those reporters or people in media that kind of share a whole bunch about myself, frankly, because I feel like if you're following me, like say on Twitter, you're following me because I'm reporting on like Florida, which is probably your favorite team. And you probably don't give a shit about what I did this morning. Like that's always how I viewed it was people don't really like if they care, that's awesome. I don't, I'm not saying people don't care about you or whatever, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like people follow you because they, they care about the gators, you know, like that's what they want to know about. So deliver that. And, and for the most part, keep it moving, you know? Um, but you know, it, it's been a cool ride just because I always wanted to do this as far as getting into journalism. And I, I, I studied it in college. 
I got my first um, newspaper gig covering like politics and crime for a very small weekly newspaper in Queens that paid me shit, frankly. <laughs> and and like I, I couldn't wait to move on to sports and do what I wanted to do and um, latched on with Newsday, which is a, a big uh, newspaper in New York, of course, where I'm from. Um, I started working there. I, I worked there as an intern and then they moved me to part time and you know, I, I loved it there. I learned a lot there. There was a lot of great editors there. Um, and when I took that job as a part-time sort of guy covering high schools and a little bit of pro assignments in the summer, I liked it so much. I immersed myself so much that I finished up my time as like the editor-in-chief of like the student newspaper in college. And after that, I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to really do this anymore. I had like two classes left. One was a Spanish class. And I was so horrible at Spanish that I was like, I'm going to have to put in like all these hours of work just to get like a C, um, just to get a C. And frankly, I'd rather put that toward <laughs> the stories that I'm doing for Newsday. Um, and so I said to myself, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to school eventually, but right now I'm going to put that on hold. So I guess technically I like to say that I didn't necessarily drop out. I just stopped going. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I, I, I stopped going to school for, and I, and I never went back yet. Um, I'm 30 now and you know, I would like to do that. My mom would like me to do that. So I, I probably will end up doing that eventually, but, uh, I haven't of course yet. And I stayed at Newsday and I kept going. Um, and I loved it there, like I said, but they were like, we like you a lot, but Hey, you're 23, 24. We're not going to promote you to a full-time like Mets beat or Yankees beat, that's not happening. We're just going to hire somebody who's like 20 years older than you, which 20, more, 20 years more experience, go somewhere and like learn some stuff, go somewhere else and get better. And so I did that. I went to Alabama in 20, you know, in the, I guess 2014. Um, and I took up, you know, a low paying high school gig, high school sports gig was there for about 10 months, did some good work, won some awards, got out of there. Uh, it was a great place. Don't get me wrong, but it was just, you know, it, it was what it was, uh, kind of a stepping stone opportunity. And I went to the Clarion Ledger in Mississippi, and that's when I started to cover uh, Dan Mullen at Mississippi State. Uh, and the Clarion Ledger was you know, the largest newspaper in the state. And then, of course, in uh, 2018, when Mull, uh, you know, in the spring um, of Mullen's first year at Florida, the athletic contacted me about covering him again. And, you know, I like covering Dan in Mississippi State. It was great. Um, like, I, like I've talked about before, his staff is awesome to cover. Uh, he has a great family. His, his little son is awesome, dude. He's going to be a cool, a cool dude when he grows up. Um, so it's just a, it was a great opportunity. But like you mentioned, Dan, you know, like the beat, there were so many guys who were so established. Like there's Pat Dooley, there's Edgar Thompson, there's Thomas Goldcamp, there's Nick Dillatore, uh, Jackie's on the beat. I mean, you could go, I'm going to, there's Mark Long who's been there forever. You know, Robbie Andrew at the game. You was going good till you said Nick, but, bro. Know, <laughs> say it again. You was going good till you said Nick, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like the point is that they, these people, like you said, have been there for so long that frankly, I was a little bit worried or not worried, but just concerned with like, Hey, you know, yeah, I know the, I know the staff and I know, you know, how they operate, but I don't know, like, I don't have, uh, this sort of prior knowledge on everything, Florida. I don't have relationships at Florida and the fan base doesn't know me. So, you know, I really had to work to sort of earn people's respect. I felt like, and it was something that I took seriously. 
And that's what really motivated me every day was to try to find stories that were going to be something that maybe a Florida fan didn't know. That was always the motivation. Like, what could I provide somebody that at the end of the story, they said, you know what, shit, I didn't know that. Or thank you for like trying to go the extra mile. Um, or thank you for trying to entertain me for like the three minutes that I took to read this. You know, that, that, that always mattered to me a lot. Um, and that's, I think, how you sort of distinguish yourself on a crowded beat um, where there's been people who have been there sort of done that. You try to push yourself to come up with some creative shit and um, take the time to talk to as many people as possible and really try to connect. Um, so it was a great job. I was lucky enough to do that story with uh, Dan Mullen and his staff on signing day, which was a big deal for me because it was just a cool way to go out. Um, and I just hope like that story was an example of just trying to give readers information that they couldn't get elsewhere or that wasn't readily available and that hopefully that they were able to learn something from because that's kind of like how I view whether or not I was successful in that job or not. That's incredible, you know, and I know that, uh, you know, knowing the folks from, from Gator Country and some of the other beat writers, um, you know, how much they really liked you and how much they appreciated you and, you know, how quickly you assimilated into the beat. And I know that you and I only had a couple interactions and one of them was at Dan Mullins uh, press conference and speaking engagement, at the Tampa Gator club. But, you know, you came up to me, introduced yourself to me and, um, you know, you're, you're a guy that, that everybody, uh, you know, really seemed to like, you know, right away. And obviously you really contributed to the beat. You added something different. And I think that there's a probably a bit of jealousy and I'm sure some folks are, probably in a way happy that your, your writing is gone. But, you know, I know for, for me as, as somebody that reads the athletic all the time, that's going to really miss, you know, your side of the story and your ability to, you know, not only that you had an inside connection, but that you were able to, to build and, and tell some, some interesting and fascinating tales. And I hope whoever, you know, does take over for you was able to, to learn a little bit from you. But, you know, I think what's, What's cool, Will, is you can, you can look back in your time, you know, covering the Florida beat and know that you made a pretty cool impact. And I know that you're going to be missed, and that's why we wanted to make sure we had you on because, you know, all of the beat writers except for a few could leave the beat, and I, and I think everybody would applaud. But, you know, the, the day that you announce that you're going to cover the Milwaukee Brewers, there's definitely a sense of, uh, you know, sadness or, uh, you know, disappointment that you were leaving. So so we're going to definitely miss here, you. just got here, bro. You just got so, here. You just get yeah, out of here. I know, dude. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that, that was kind of the sucky part, you know? Like, honestly, yeah. like, um, and that's really super kind of you to say, Dan. Uh, but, like, that was kind of, like, what I weighed was, like, hey, man, this is my dream job, this dream opportunity. I always wanted to cover Major League Baseball. But, shit, man, I love this job that I have. Um, and so, like, it was it was something that I, I took seriously. And, you know, it's, it's cool for you to say that because, you know, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to kind of share that with people who are listening because it I, it, I, for lack of a better, I, I gave a fuck, you know, like I, I cared about it so much. Um, yeah. that, 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 that means so much to me to hear that. So, you know, I really appreciate that. Um, and hopefully like down the road, I told, I told Dan Mullen this, you know, like when you guys are in the college football playoff mix, maybe, uh, after the Brewers season, I could stop by for a couple of one-off stories. So there you who go. knows, you know, maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's in the cards, but I think the athletic will hire somebody good for the spot and, and you guys will be in good hands. I'm sure. Yeah, I already Sweet gave uh, I gave Sweet Staples call. an idea of somebody to hire, but uh, you know, I, I think that you <laughs> you mentioned it, um, you know, Will, is that you cared, and I think that you know, as somebody that sat in the press box a few times, I, I, I I'll never forget. I saw one time that that Florida managed to come back, and um, you know, w- one of the beat writers from the newspapers uh, was like vehemently like upset, and he was like visibly upset. 
um, that Florida like came back because he's like, well, I've got to highlight this whole story and delete it. I was like, yeah, but you just watched a hell of a football game. Like you think about, you know, you giving back and you caring and you, you know, realizing that, you know, I don't want to say just privilege because I know it's a job, but, you know, knowing that you're, you're, you know, being able to reach out to so many readers and that it matters, uh, you know, and your voice matters and your tone matters and your, your attitude matters and your ability to care matters. And I think that that's what I, I liked a lot about your writing compared to, you know, some of the others. And I don't want to throw them under the bus, but, um, you know, I know that you wouldn't be a guy that, you know, wrote his entire story, you know, before the game was over and then was mad when the, uh, when the game changed last minute. So, uh, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a, hopefully, uh, see you later. Um, you know, see you soon, but, uh, you know, we definitely appreciate your, uh, your contribution to the beat, man. You've been a, uh, a hell of an addition and we wish you the best of luck. Appreciate it guys. Thanks for having me on. You know, I, I'm, I'm still going to be listening. So I hope you guys keep it up with, uh, with, uh, topping yourselves almost on a weekly basis. You guys have gelled um really well over the past several months so i'm excited to see what what you guys are able to do um heading into spring ball and into the season of course uh, so i'll be listening guys so thanks for having me on always 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 was a blast chatting with you guys thanks a lot will sure, appreciate you for sure be good and get yourself a winter coat <laughs> definitely He's definitely gonna need that winter coat um, <laughs> for a lot more months than, than around here. See <laughs> that? Yeah. Damn, that whole year almost. Uh, good writer, man. Very good writer. I'm gonna be missed around here. Um, shout out to Will. I'll keep in touch. Definitely. It's, it was weird on the timeline seeing Brewer tweets. I was like, where are all these Milwaukee <laughs> tweets coming from? I was Will. I, um, I don't. I don't have the ability to unfollow him. Uh, might have to mute Brewers, but uh, but other than that, man, he's a he's a hell of a guy. Absolutely. Uh, Ma, you missed last week, man, so we ain't get to get no, no film review, but I sent you a link to Xavier Sori. Yeah, man. 214-pound, four-star athlete out of Graceville, Florida. What you think? Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty good athlete. He's uh, He makes a lot of plays around the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, it's on defense, uh, on offense. He's a big target, um, and, and when he runs the ball, he, he's coming out of the backfield as well. Uh you know, he's a big dude, so I don't think he'll be running the ball big too dude. much there. Yeah, University of Florida. Hey, he looked good running it. I ain't going to lie to you. Man. He did. He, he did just, look good running you know, it. He really, you know. He caught an interception at a two-minute, two nine-second mark. And he got a ghost. Bro. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> he, and he got that size. I think it was the quarterback he jumped over. Yeah, so, that's, yeah. Pretty, he's, he's, that's he's, pretty impressive. He's an athletic dude to be his size for sure. Um, definitely would love to see him, um, you know, close to the line of scrimmage and uh, making plays for us um, in the future. Yeah, I like to see him outside linebacker, but when they listed him as an athlete, yeah. he did everything on film. Uh, yeah, because I, I, really, I really stopped and went back to see what position he was because <laughs> he got literally doing everything on film. It like he was playing corner one time. He dropped in coverage. He ran with a dude, turned and ran. So I'm like, yeah, he, he, he's pretty athletic. So Definitely. Very athletic. Um that's the guy we got land. I wouldn't mind having him somewhere on our football field. We can figure out exactly where. Right. I prefer him at outside linebacker, like you said, right in that front seven around that area, mm-hmm. uh, disrupting things, man. But hell of an athlete. Um, Bama's one to look out for him for there, uh, as well as us, man. We'll see how it plays out. He should be here uh, junior day. 
That's good. Yeah. I mean, he's a, uh, he's a good athlete, obviously, you know, on both sides of the football, but he's also a track guy and he's got some pretty decent numbers on track too. So, um, you know, he's a guy that you just get and you figure it out later, but you know, stuff like you said, you know, I don't know if he's a, uh, I think he's an outside linebacker, but on offense, maybe you throw him into like an H back, you know, Kyle Pitts type tight end type of role. I don't really know where you, you put him. I don't know if he's obviously fast enough to be a running back or a, uh, a wide receiver, but, uh, you know, the guy's in the semi running backs right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a great player, man. That's <laughs> At a guy least like, two of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's a guy you just get on your, your roster. You try to figure it out, man. But, uh, the guy's good. Um, you know, I know a couple of the sites have him ranked as a top, you know, 25, 26 player in the country. So borderline um, five-star right now. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, on, on rank- two, four, seven, he's a five-star. So, Correct. um, you know, ESPN has him ranked 26 rivals has him ranked in the, below 100s but you know give me a top 200 player in the country any day of the week whether he's ranked 26 or 200 get him on the on the campus and figure it out definitely you know this is a legend show man i want to get the legends on here to kick it with you know i'm saying to talk a little gator football how y'all feeling y'all good yeah who we got we got a touchdown maker Cam, let's ride, baby. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. First time on Stadium and Gale, we got a legend. Uh, one of the best nicknames in Gator history. Dallas, the touchdown maker, Baker. Dallas, what's going on, man? Not much, man. How everybody doing? What's up? What's up? What's up with it? First off, how'd you get like the, the name Dallas? How why'd your parents name you that? Let's just get it right off the off the off the rip. <laughs> okay, so uh we my dad grew up being a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan and they ended up naming me uh Dallas and now I'm a diehard da- uh Dallas Cowboys fan also. So that's how that started. You had and to be good at football nickname, that name. Oh yeah, I had to. I grew up around <laughs> the game, and with a name like that, you got to play football. Oh, so, so uh, <laughs> how'd you end up? Uh, my bad, becoming a Gator, man. Uh, I, I know a lot of people want to um, want to know how'd you become a Gator and whatnot. So, uh, my uncle is uh, West Chandler. That's my mom's older brother, and he played at the University of Florida. Oh, word! Again, uh, yeah, again, my my father was a diehard Gator. And so I just grew up hearing about the Gators all the time. And um, I want to say about the time I got into third grade, I started to understand football because I was playing little league football and I just became a, a Gator myself. But, you know, through that time there, like kids are trying to figure out which team do I like. And from hearing it so much, I just like, I'm going to go play for the Florida Gators one day. So you already did you take any other um visits? Were you interested in any other schools or was just uh you up and that's it? Uh no, so I was interested in some other schools. I always knew I wanted to be a gator, but uh Todd Finch, who's now the offensive coordinator at Vanderbilt, and uh of course Coach Strong, those two guys were recruiting me at South Carolina and me and you both played for Coach Strong, so you know what that could be like. I ended up committing mm-hmm. South Carolina, and then a reporter called me and was like, hey, I heard you committed to South Carolina, and it was like a whole big deal, 
I'm like, well, shoot, I don't want Florida to be upset. And I didn't understand how it worked, so I actually committed to both schools on the same day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my head coach ended up calling me, who uh, his son is Jerry Odom, who played at Florida, who was my defensive coordinator in high school. It was just a big deal. They're trying to say, like, you can't do stuff like that. You got to pick what school you want to commit to. I'm like, well, why can't I commit to them both? <laughs> so, yeah, it, was, it was a great experience. Man, they have no recruiting etiquette, man. Doing that thing in the recruiting world. <laughs> if Dallas was around now, he would drop a top 100. I can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. <laughs> Dallas, so obviously when you were being recruited, recruiting was a lot different than it is now. Are you glad you kind of was recruited? You know, I don't want to say under the radar because you weren't under recruited or under the radar by, uh, you know, by the schools. But, you know, with the recruiting services and everything else, do you wish you would have had, you know, a little bit more attention? Or what was it like being recruited during your time compared to what recruiting's like now? Obviously, you know, you, you deal with it being a, a coach over at Marshall now. Well, every kid wants to experience. So I, I definitely want to be highly recruited just because of seeing teammates highly recruited hearing stories but once I started to experience I'll be honest I, I didn't really I didn't really like it I remember getting phone calls at like two in the morning from buddies of mine and I would be like well why are you calling me so late and you're like well the coach from such and such place actually called my parents house and asked me to call you and I'm like what <laughs> to the point my mom ended up finding out about stuff like that. And it was, it, it ended up getting kind of rough and I ended up taking four visits and I was like, look, I'm, I'm done with this. So, uh, I thought it was hectic then, but now being a part of it, it's just the exposure now with recruiting is, I don't even know if I would have been able to handle that back then. So, but I, I think it's great for, for, like I said, for players and for us coaches, but, um, yeah, back then, I mean, it was a lot for me to handle. I guess because of the 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 exposure I had and 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 the way people went about dealing with things. So, I got you. So let me let me take you back. So when you when you were recruiting uh, or when you were being recruited, you obviously you know committed to Ron Zuck and you played for Ron Zuck, and then Urban Meyer came you know on board uh, you know during your uh, was that during your sophomore year or junior year. Um, Touch us a little bit about what it was like to play under two systems, obviously, you know, two different types of offenses. And, and how did you deal with, with the change of the coach that recruited you and the offense that recruited you to, to dealing with a, uh, a new staff and a new system? So I'm, I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to definitely try not to say the wrong things, but I also have to be honest. Uh, so – when I first got there playing for Coach Zuck, and I know everyone says Coach Zuck is a player's coach. That's definitely, definitely true. Uh, but there were some things that was going on at that time, and I, I don't think it was because of Coach Zuck or anything. It was just some things that was going on that we needed a change. And Larry Fedora, who was my receiver coach at the time, like I, I talked to him probably twice a week. Coach Dixon, Coach Lots, Coach Strong. Like, I talked to just about all those guys still. Be, and I, I do want to say they had a major impact on me becoming a man, a father, a husband, all those things. But when Coach Meyer and those guys came in, 
it was just a change of point in my life. Like something just clicked and they were able to reach me and just the impact they had is why I decided, you know what, like I want to be a coach and I'm being honest with this also, like they had an impact so strong that at one point I was saying, I want to be a college coach more than I want to make it to the NFL. So, um, yeah, so I just think the impact they had was, it it was a major factor in me becoming a a better football player, better human being, all those things. It's just, I don't know when certain people talk, it just does something to you. So coach Meyer and that entire staff, I mean, look, I work for coach holiday to this day going on four years now. So, like I said, that impact they had just, I thank God for them coming into my life. So, Hey, hey Dallas, um, a lot of people don't yeah. know. And one of the things that I, you know, I do when I do talk about Urban, I mention, uh, you know, about his team meetings. Talk about uh, his, how his team meetings impacted you. I know, you know, a lot of, of what he said in those meetings kind of stuck with me throughout life. Um, but is there anything that he, you know, he possibly said in the team meeting or whatnot kind of like stuck with you? Defeat the human element. Like to this day, that's things that I talk to my receivers about. Uh, I mean, you know, defeating the human element, that's, that's day-to-day life. That's just bigger than football. And it's, it's the little things that people talk about nowadays. Like you have teams like LSU and, and Clemson and Alabama teams that are playing the national championship and how they talk about the little things. But again, that's things that we were taught like 10 years ago yeah. with defeating yeah. the element. And yeah, j- just to explain that, it was like how, how it was explained. If, if I told you to get down and do 500 push-ups, and let's say you get to like 300 and something and you're going to be pleading, coach, can I stop? I can't keep going. And if a coach tells you, here, do two more and I'll let you get up, somehow, some way, you're going to dig deep and you're going to do two, do two more push-ups. And that's yeah. how it is, the defeating the human element, like, when your body says no or, or, or when you feel like you want to get up, give up, you just keep pushing. pushing. And that's what really, yeah, that, that was one of the things that, that impacted. Like when he would tell us to defeat the human element and then you would defeat it and something would happen, boom, he had our attention from there. So that, that was just something that always sticks out. Hey Dallas, you're one of the guys I always bring up. I use a, I use as an example of when, um, when I want to say a guy is going to probably be productive later in his career, um, I think you, you was one of those guys that, that got more active when your time was running out. What do you attribute the patience to in, in, in the whole process of waiting your turn? Because the transfer portal and all those things going on now th- these days, and guys are a, a boat quick. So what do you attribute that to? Uh, so uh, I have a, a great relationship with my father, but my, my parents ended up getting a divorce when I was young and my mother remarried and I grew up in the church and she ended up remarrying to a preacher. So for me, uh, I have to be honest again. And I think it was just my faith in, in, in God. I mean, cause it does get tough. I mean, who knows what would have happened back then if, if we had the transfer portal, you know? So, I definitely know what he said before. I want to say I disagree with that because there's ups and downs to those both. I mean, we get guys who transfer and, and they come here and they help us win games and then we lose players to the transfer portal. So it has ups and downs. But 
as far as it goes for me, just pushing is what my parents always told me, just pray and trust in God. And his plan is always greater than, than our plan. So that was just my key factor was just, look, I'm just pray and trust in God and, and pray and ask God to give me peace with whatever, whatever happened. So that was a major factor for me. I could see here and say it was something else, but that's really what it was. What was the um, Ahmad always speak about the brotherhood of that uh, of those guys that you guys played with? Uh, speak on the brotherhood and and what playing with those guys, winning the national championship, being at University of Florida, all that meant. Okay, so to make it simple, so everyone can understand it. Okay, so we had one of the top defenses in the country, one of the top offenses in the country, and one of the top special teams in the country. And we end up winning the national championship. Off the offense that year, the first person to get drafted was myself. Now, I I, I didn't train the way I should have. Uh, I got off track, so I have no one to blame but myself. But still, yet, whatever happened, happened. And I was the first player to get drafted off the offense, and I went in the seventh round. Uh, they came out with the top 25 greatest national championship teams, I want to say we were like 24th. So with that being said, maybe it's true we didn't have a lot of talent and, and whatever they want to say. But that just backs up my, my theory that the reason why we won was because of the brotherhood. I mean, when you look in the full court and you down by 10, you never question, are we going to win this game? Because you remember that I put in work and the man to the right of me putting that same as at work and we just not going to be denied. Like, I don't want to let him down. Like I can't let my brother down. Like we always talk about the names on the back of your Jersey, but for us, it was more than that name on the back of my Jersey. It was the, the Gator patch, not letting Gator nation down. And, and this guy wearing the same colors I'm wearing. It was just, I don't know. It was like, it, it's hard to explain unless you experience it, but just, you know, sometimes my brothers could get me to do something that an adult or anyone else could. That's just how tight we were. And that was instilled in us from Coach Meyer to Coach Mullen, Coach G, Coach Hevesy, uh, you name it. Coach Madison, every coach that was on that staff, that that brotherhood was just taught to us to the point we would have cookouts together. Like We just did everything together to the point I would leave home spring break early like we wouldn't have to be back to sunday i would come back on like a thursday or friday and it would be like half of the team already back there ready to get around each other mm-hmm. so, we, we uh always talked about uh we used to mention the uh, foxhole mentality you know and, and that's one thing one time uh one thing that you know see you had a foxhole <laughs> yeah. i mean that that person next to you that that's that's, your, that's who you riding with and you know it just like yeah. you said, it's just so hard to explain to somebody who really wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? And like the stuff that we had to go through, like mentally, like the, the the things that we had to do mentally. We had to sit in football position for three minutes straight, and you can't wipe. You you don't un, you don't understand how bad how like when sweat running down your face, and you want to wipe it so bad, but you can't because if you wipe that sweat off your face, everybody's gonna have to start this whole drill over. <laughs> They're gonna tell you yep. a whole thing. That that you wipe the sweat off your face, and we probably a freshman. So now you know what's gonna happen after that. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, so Man, it's I, accountability. Everybody was held accountable in some shape or form. Exactly. And, and, uh, of course, I'm I'm thankful 
for this opportunity I have to work at Marshall. I love Marshall University. But I say it all the time, man. People here joking like, ah, right, here you go. But it's just the love I have for AB and all the rest of my guys who play that floor, like my teammates. I just feel like the stuff that people are doing now, like it could sound conceited. I know I'm not, but I feel like we started this. And when you look at it, the SEC started that run with us in 06. Like since 06, they've been to the national championship every year, if I'm not mistaken. And it was it's exactly what, what you're talking about, but you are letting out too many secrets. You remember they told us in the in the meetings, hey, don't ever compare this to the, to the military because, you know, we got respect for them, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but it was like they would always talk about that. And that's because the Nazi will deal that foxhole mentality. Yeah, and bro. That, that, that's what it's all about, man. Like, can I trust you in my foxhole, man? Yeah. Like, we, man, I, I, dude, we were ahead of our time, man. Like, it's time for them to get that 06 to 2010 to give us our 30 for 30. It's time. Like, they need to no. Start <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they can, man. Yeah. Right, That's a, there's a lot of different oh, stories. Yeah. I mean, Chico oh, don't get one man. day. They can get Chico one whole episode. Yeah, give Tebow an episode. Man. <laughs> <laughs> we, was, we got stuff going on, man. Look, I, I'm, glad it I'm glad it wasn't no, no cell phone pictures. I'm glad it wasn't no Snapchat. Oh, my God. Man, it's crazy how we think the same thing. Like I think of that all the time. Like, man, so, like, I think the so good good. Lord for no, no, man, we would have been in trouble. No, just, just, just leave it at that. You guys <laughs> were in trouble. That's the issue. <laughs> Look, just, 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 oh. bro, just, just give the people a, 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 a little, a little snippet of how school was, because you know. I was here, but you know I, I don't be one brat. How we won back to back basketball, then uh, football in, in two and three years. Tell people how school was. It was insane. Oh, it's nuts. was it was nuts. The one in there. Yeah. It, you know it, yeah. that was that was a great time to be a Gator. Not saying any other time is it, but that was that time right there was. It was a really good time to be a Gator. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I, I would say, you, you know how. Ab, you you know how when we're in the league and we go to these cities and and people ask for our autograph, how they treat us, and man, like I would tell, I remember telling uh Tone, uh Santonio Holmes, uh I remember telling the crib because he played at Ohio, crib. yeah, and, and he played at Ohio State, yeah, but I would be telling him like, man, like, this doesn't amaze me, and I think, you know, the, sitting here talking to you like. I can really admit like that was some of the issues with my NFL career because I wanted to be a, a coach more than anything because of just those 10 coaches and, and the strength coaches, just the impact they had. Then when I got to the NFL, it was like I was doing it because of, okay, well, this is what happens after college. And then everything else, everybody was like, oh, my God, this is great. And to piggyback on what you were saying, I'm like, and it's nothing. Like, yeah, I played for the Steelers. We won the Super Bowl, and I'm thankful for them. It's great. But I'm like, so you wait, you hundred thousand. You thought the I'm, Super Bowl treated like a? Hold on. Huh? You thought you thought that you you enjoyed the national championship more than you did the Super Bowl? Yeah, like I, 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 you can understand what I'm saying, but the way and and that's why to this day, 
Like I cry when I talk about Coach G. Uh, I cry when I like to be a Florida Gator was something I always wanted to be. I remember being a little kid in front of my grandmother's house, throwing a ball up to myself. And she used to live in front of uh, like all type of woods. And I remember running up and down the street, throwing my hands up in the air to the trees, but imagining that it was a swamp. So when that happened, and just to really experience, like, Gator Nation treat us like amazing. You know, that's why, I mean, yeah, I played there, but I'm always ride with Florida. Like, I bleed orange and blue just because the experience for me. Shoot, my, my fiance, we've been together going on 15 years. We went to Florida together. My daughter, that's all she knows is the Florida. Like, going to Florida really, like, changed my life and blessed me. So going and playing in the Super Bowl, it was great. And But winning a national championship, I, I don't know. But I guess for me, like, that was the high point of my life. So I got to the NFL. I was just like, yeah, this is cool. But, I mean. Being a Gator was better, and a lot of we people got, thought I was. We got to get you in some headsets in, in Gainesville, man. I'm trying that's to. What, tell that's you. what we got to do. We got to get. Oh. We got to figure out a way for that to get. <laughs> we got to see what's going on. Wait, yeah, <laughs> man, we got to get this energy on this recruiting trail. I've got, I've got right, an idea. Man. I've got an idea. How much do you know about running backs? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I will say that is a that, that is a dream of mine. But I love the job I have now. I'm thankful. I'm not trying to run for no feathers here in Huntington, West Virginia. But that is a dream of mine. Yeah, but you, you, I know you still sell it. You, you got to sell Randy Moss on the recruiting trail up there, though, man. He old, so we got you, man. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm selling Randy Moss. But that is, for me, man, like I know everyone's seen the video. And it's crazy, AB, and, and the rest of the guys. I was at Disney. My daughter, like, she's like, Kids are so funny now, man. At 11 years old, I knew I, I couldn't work. I could barely get my video game to work. If it, if it, I would be pouting like a kid, like something wrong with my game. Now, the way they use technology, my daughter ended up seeing the video first. And that's what I ended up finding out. And we, as parents, we definitely have to be careful because, A.B., I think about now some of the things that we did at Florida like, man, I thank God that a lot of that stuff didn't come out because she types my name in. I go on her phone. She typed my name in. She watching interviews for me. And yeah, that makes me feel yeah. great also. Like, man, like, she probably yeah, a father. But, but also, but that was one of the things. It. Look, this is one of the things Urban yeah. talked about. That was just one of the exact things. He, oh. he, he used to say, you know, make sure you make decisions because later down the line, you're going to want to show your kids what you did at Florida and, and, and bring your kids back around and show them what you, I, bro, I can't wait. And, you know, understand, I, you know, Back then, I didn't understand. It's so cool to have, bring my kids back to where I played at, and see, they see pictures of me. They see my name. You know what I'm saying? And that, that that's so dope. Yeah. And that's what Urban that's what Urban tried to tried to tell us. Hey, man, you know, do what you you can while you're here, the the, the correct way. Do do everything you possibly can the best way, and they're more accepting when it's time to come back. Man, that was that. That was another push, though. At AB, right? yeah. that whole thing was you want to do something where you could bring your kids back and be proud of. And like you said, like, we we thought we understood it, but we really didn't. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to play hard so I could bring my wife and kids back one day and I could show them, look, I won a championship. But even more than that, like, 
It's like I, I changed my act. I was never a bad kid. I could be a class clown because I wanted everyone to like me. So that took me acting up in class to make everyone laugh, and that's what I would do. But again, when, when he came, like he put a stop to that. And then it was like, you know what? Let me be someone that one day my wife, kids could be proud of, but also this Gator Nation, like everyone could be proud of. So I remember just doing a lot of community service. I remember CP, for example. CP was there my Uncle Wes was there. And I remember every day, no matter if I had to get treatment, whatever, I would just stop by there to say what's up to CP and, and all the trainers and everything. And again, listening to Coach Mono's guys, it paid off because I busted my butt on the field so we can win a championship and I could come back and show them all my pictures and everything. But now when I bring them back, my, my daughter, Angelina, and Vanessa, my fiance, they want to go there more than Disney anywhere else. Of course, because we just saw our daughter where we went to school at, but man, they treated like royalty around there. And it's like, dang, like it paid off. Like I didn't understand it, how you saying, but shoot, it, it paid off. Me being a great person makes everyone want to be around me. Me sacrificing everything for this championship makes my relationship with Gator Nation better. So when they get there, it's like, y'all still want to go to Disney? Ah, I don't know. I think we can stay two more days. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, Dallas, yeah, let me man. ask you. Um, so now, now you're a wide receivers coach at Marshall. Uh, you know, you played yeah. a couple years in the NFL, played in the CFL, played in the AFL. Uh, then you coached at, at Warner here in, in Florida for a bit and then you, you made a pretty big jump I mean pretty sizable jump up to, to Marshall what's that experience like obviously you're living out your dream being able to be a coach now but 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 what's that experience been like for you is it what you thought it would be and and maybe what's the the biggest thing that you've learned that maybe you didn't know before you actually became a coach that no matter how long you're coaching, and this goes for guys who thinking about coach everything. When I was getting into it, my whole thing was like, man, when I'm 10 years in, man, I'm going to be like the coaches we had at Florida. Okay, that is my goal to make a major impact like those guys. But I was saying that almost from an arrogant point of view, like based on being unstoppable. I don't care how long you coaching, you're never going to have all the answers. And whoever say that, I'm sorry, but I disagree with them. Like, every day, you're going to find out something new. Like, it's, it's almost like playing football. Like, you go to work every day to become a better coach. And no matter if you've been doing it 30, 40 years, it's always going to be something that you can learn. Uh, so, for me, that was the first thing. And, and I was told that by a lot of guys as big names, in this profession that are mentors to me. Like I said, I talked to probably six or seven coaches off of Coach Zook's staff all the time, off of Coach Meyer's staff. And I can't even – shoot, I just talked to Coach Meyer last week. And Coach G, that's – between him and Coach Meyer, like, I always go back and forth about which one is my dad. I mean, I love Coach G. I love Coach Meyer. So, but that was something that was told to me. I always have an open mind and never think something is is stupid because you've never done it before and you've never heard about it. And sure enough, they were right. So 
that was something that was new to me. Uh, and as far as the experience go, it's everything I thought it was going to be and more. I, I really do. I don't regret playing in CFL. I don't regret playing arena because a lot of things that I thought was maybe a curse or why me, I see now that it was all a blessing from God. So I could, could relate to a lot of these young men that don't play in the NFL. Like, Oh, Canada, not bad. Oh, arena, not bad. Like, I don't know. It's just a blessing from God, but I will say I was, I was just doing it because I was still young. I retired at 30, but I think I would have retired sooner and started coaching if I could do it all over again. Like, I just, I just love it. And like I said, like, that is a goal of mine. I mean, everyone who knows me, and if, even if you don't know me, just the way I feel about the University of Florida, like, that's my goal to be on the Gator sideline again, coaching. Like, I am orange and blue. Like I said, I love Marshall. Uh, but for me, like, I bleed orange and blue. So, I don't know. I just feel like it's a blessing from God, and it's one of the greatest experiences ever to be able to to be able to coach college football. Dope, man. Who's your favorite uh, rival to play against or favorite team to, to – to, um... Oh, yeah, so favorite rivalry. Who was your favorite rivalry? Ah, man. That's a tough one. Cause I don't think I like – that's, that's – of course, the team out west. You know, that's what we call them. Uh, so I would have to go with them. But then it's with Tennessee. For Tennessee, I'm, okay, so I, I always wanted to play against Florida State. And there's a crazy story about that, uh, about how they recruit me, whatever. But my rivalry with Tennessee just came with the slot. And I played it down all through the years when I was younger because of course, Coach Meyer and them taught us stuff like that. Never give people bulletin board material. But that game for me was just personal, you know, just because of what happened. And I know I was selfish by slapping Jonathan Wade first, but just the way it was handled. And like, as you know, again, playing at Florida like, and the way we lost and me having a major role in us losing, that was not good for me coming back to Gainesville, just – dealing with everything and it just instilled something in me that every time I was going to play them, I was going to give everything I had, even if they had to drag off the field to make sure we win. And I mean, it went on for what, 12 years? We beat them 12 years in a row. Had a little hiccup there, but we bounced back. Yeah. So yeah, I ain't, I ain't never that holds. Yeah, so since that whole slap happened, like, it's turned into a major, like, I looked online and I seen some stuff called the Dallas Baker Curse, and I love it, to be honest. Like, so, <laughs> All those right. guys, I, I don't know. It, that, that's a, that's an easy question, but it's a tough question just because how we felt about anybody we played against. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, man, listen, man, Dallas, we always, always – I always appreciate you coming on, man. You're always welcome on our show. Great stuff, man. Yeah, man. Great you stuff. get some great content, dog, and, and, and we really appreciate it. Everybody, you know, that's going to listen to this going to really love what you put out for us, man. And uh, um, like I say, you're welcome anytime. Tell people where they can find appreciate you at, man. That. What's your social media? 
Uh, so Coach D Baker, uh, eighty one. That's my 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 Twitter, and then uh, I use uh, Instagram also, Coach D Baker eighty one eighty one, just to man, just to stay in the loop with with with, with players nowadays. Like like we were talking earlier, re- recruiting is so different. So however you can make an impact and and things like that. So I, I use Twitter, Instagram, I use some of everything, but yeah, that's my Twitter. That's my Instagram. And I do want to say, I appreciate you guys having me on the show, man. I really enjoyed myself. Uh, time went by fast. So that's how I know I was having a good time. So we're going to get you back on the hangout, man. Probably for sure. one of these big games or something that's that come up, man, but definitely got to get you back on, man. Appreciate you. All right. Appreciate you guys also. AB, man, hold some of the stories down. Don't tell <laughs> everything. I can't tell them all. You want to try to get the 30 for 30. I, I can't, we can't do that now. Nah. <laughs> all right, bro, bro. We appreciate you. All right. Appreciate y'all, man. Y'all have a nice night. All right. You do the same. Go Gators. All right. Yep. Man, that was a good one. So, That's what we do, man. We get the legends on the stadium, Miguel. You know what I'm saying? Um, after we done with them, then someday can go hang out at other podcasts. You know the vibes. Elma, <laughs> 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 you got word of the week? All right, damn man. The word of the week. Like, we slid. What slid mean, Dan? We arrived. We came. We joined the party. We, we slid. We, you know, whatever. I don't use slid different ways. Yeah, you can you can use it like that. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, what did you do this weekend? I slid to the bingo parlor. Yep. That works. But why but you say also par- somebody has slid a track? Like he slid that. Yeah, he slid. Yeah, he slid a track. Like, yeah, like a, a like, rap song. Like he, yeah, he was raw in it. Like he, he, he's raw in it. Yeah. Like, not raw dying, rogging it. Rogging it. Uh, okay, yeah. slid. Anyway. So he slid like he came, or like like came to an event, yeah. came to a place, or slid like it was, it was raw yeah. on a, on track. Gotcha. No, he slid it. Slid it like S L I D. Right. Yeah, slid just like that. Hmm. Whatever you guys say. Got you, bro. I'm just, I'm just here to I appreciate coach you that. a little bit. Now, now you just got to tell us why they call you White Ice, bro. That's right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> one of these days. White Ice. <laughs> so he got with his clubs. I'm yeah, yeah. missed it. The golf tournament on, on, on uh, Dan Club. It says White Ice, bro. Oh, I'm man. I'm trying to figure out why his friends call him White Ice. I don't, I don't know if I want to know that. <laughs> it's just just the name of the golf club, but I never seen black ice for the just, no, just so y'all know. Man. White ice stuff, I don't know, man. That's just a little bit. But um, I had my opportunity, I, so, I, so I, I I had the plug to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, and uh, Berg Berg texted me the other day. Oh, like, hey, I see man, why he called you white ice. Yeah, he's like, hey man, I, I, I heard you know somebody over at the uh, at the Lightning. I'm like, I do, Berg. I was like, I feel like we need to hash out a few things before I start to give you give you my connections. I was like, it was just three minutes into the podcast following our golf show where you were talking crap about me. He's like, no, I wasn't. He's like, if I was talking crap about you, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, Berg. 
like, you got you got this one time. You got this one time. Oh, uh, he definitely was talking that, bro. He said he's <laughs> yeah. been golfing for shit. Like, yeah, he's like, you go on too many golf meetings and vacations. I'm like, I'm not sure how those equate to me being on the golf course, but. Uh, and then he stole your ball, so. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he told me you helped him get some um, some hockey tickets. I did. Very I good. helped him make his Valentine's Day uh, worthwhile. Yeah, I don't know if you heard the morning show, but I told me you should have uh, opted out for those box seats that you was trying to encourage him to get. So, the, so the, I don't know if he told the full story. I haven't been able to listen to the show. So he texted me. I was like, "Hey, man, I've got a you know pretty good tickets uh, here." I was like, "But if you spend just a little bit more," he's like, "No." He's like, "He's like my girlfriend's never been to a hockey game before." I'm like, "That's why you get her the good tickets." He's like, "No, you get her the cheap tickets." <laughs> That's what I said. And that way it can only get better. I'm like, "Berg, man." Glad yeah, and then, and then he said, "In um, you guys' boxies that you guys just serve chicken nuggets, so he didn't want to go in there." I'm like, "I don't know. That sounds a little fishy." <laughs> Whatever. Never seen chicken nuggets in a in a, in a box suite. Nope, never never seen any chicken nuggets in a box suite. But you know, All right, enough I hope bird, bird talk. enjoys it. Again. Enough bird. Yeah. That's way too much bird talk for this show. Let's get into some recruiting shenanigans. So we got a Zach Evans update. Um. Nothing changing his recruitment. We're still waiting on a, a a date to be announced when he's going to visit next month in March. But the update with him is it's on our end. Tim Brewster, the new acquired tight end coach, has taken over his recruitment. Um, Tim Brewster had a relationship with him before he got here uh, while, yeah. while coaching at Texas at Texas A&M and was the lead guy there. They have a good relationship. And all signs are pointing to us, us having – a great shot at this kid. Um, Tim Brewster just tweeted a few minutes ago while we were recording the show. Um, Must be nice to be able to see. Yeah, well, he tweeted something about Houston and with some shades. He's getting into his Tim Brewster uh, weird bag with the tweets and recruiting, man. So I'm mm -hmm. all excited about it. Dan, what you feeling? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're, you're right. Um, you know, just echoing what you said, Brewster and, uh, and Evans talked when uh, Brewster is back at Texas A&M. Uh, you know, all signs point to, you know, Florida really trying to put the full court press on him. You know, it's our understanding. We've talked about it on the show for the last couple of weeks, maybe the last month. You know, the Florida feels comfortable with, you know, his, you know, quote unquote, off the field issues and what those are. Um, you know, so now it's, you know, on Evans coming to uh, to Florida's campus. It's one of those things that we keep talking about until he does, uh, you know, you know, we're still in a limbo phase, but you know, right now Florida looks to be, you know, amongst your, your better teams to, to land him. Uh, they did get their first crystal ball pick in, uh, this, uh, this past weekend, uh, you know, for, for Zach Evans, whether that means anything or not, you know, we don't know, but uh, you know, right now, you know, all signs do point to, to Florida looking, you know, pretty good for him, at least better than they did, you know, even a month ago. Yeah, it's definitely trending that direction. Um, yeah, Tim Brewster owe us, owe, owe us for the uh, Dalvin Cook flip. This would be a, a nice little, little little gift to 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 warm things up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, show up and get me the best running back in the country. I'm not mad at you for the Dalvin Cook flip, and and, and it hurt back then, but it, it'll feel okay if I can get uh, Zach Evans in the building. Uh, let's get yeah, into it. No, and, Go ahead. And I was just going to say, I mean, that, that really rounds out a, a very solid running back room, you know, from, from just a talent perspective, uh, you know, so, you know, we go and get him. And then, yep. 
and that's all you can ask for. And, uh, you know, we'll give, you know, Greg Knox a big pat on the bat for landing two five stars this offseason. I just told you who just, who's, who's in charge of this recruiting. I just told you, Dan. Oh, yeah, I, I understand that. Just letting, just letting you know okay. who the position coach is. You know? I'll show you. Let's get it to some. Just letting you know what the timeline's going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I like to speak in facts every now and then, just, just for the podcast. Um, let's get into some junior day. March 7th is our junior day. That's the big date that we've all been waiting for. Um, I think we get some fireworks, man. But just to go on the list of um, the big names that we have, uh, Savion Collins. Uh, Miami commit, four-star defensive tackle, uh, Amari Harvey, uh, four-star athlete safety out of Tallahassee, Florida. Trevante uh, Rucker uh, just recently committed to us. Um, trying to think of Jared Wilson, uh, former UGA pledge, currently uncommitted. Uh, Xavier Sori, um, athlete that we were talking about earlier in the Mars film review. I could go over and over and over the names, but it's a really elite list. Um, do you expect any fireworks then? What are you hearing? Uh, so uh, fireworks, I don't know, other than, you know, I know Florida does sit in good shape with, you know, a number of those guys. Uh, Amari Harvey being the guy that, you know, is probably most likely of that that group to to potentially commit uh you know what we're seeing now though is we're seeing you know florida so first off florida is going to be competing against fsu for uh, junior day so it's going to be good to see you know what talent shows up in florida compared to what talent shows up in fsu you know i think we can imagine what that that's going to look like florida is right now recruiting a lot different player than fsu's committing or uh, is recruiting however you know, you still have an in-state target uh, that is hosting a junior day the exact same weekend. And to get a guy like Amari Harvey, who literally goes, goes to Florida State University School, uh, to, to be able to get him in Gainesville instead of uh, Florida State is, is huge. Um, I really like, uh, you know, Florida's chances to get at least a couple commits uh, that day. Uh, you know, getting guys like Rucker on the campus and be able to, you know, get him talking to other players. Um, you know, it, it's always a crapshoot when it's March uh, of the year, uh, you know, of the, the guys committing. Uh, but, you know, this is really your opportunity to see that the type of guys, you know, that Florida's recruiting. And this is really their first time where Florida's been able to develop relationships with these guys during a full cycle. And when I mean a full cycle, is you know these guys were freshmen when Dan Mullen and his staff joined the uh, University of Florida's roster or uh, you know coaching staff. So you know to be able to see these you know high four star guys, these five star guys, you know these really you know hot you know and, and uh, hot after players, you know the Florida's getting on campus. That's where you really see what the prowess of of this staff can do, and you know bring a guy like Tim Brewster, and you know you know who knows. Yeah, the three guys I got on, uh, I like Amari Harvey on that that, that commit watch list. Uh, Gage Wilcox, four-star tight end out of Tampa, Florida, Jefferson High School. I got him on commit watch. He actually got a crystal ball today. Um, he's a tight end, Tim Brewster's the tight end coach and our best recruiter probably on staff, man. So I'm feeling a little good, man, about Wilcox. We'll see. He may wait it out, but I think that's one to watch out for on junior day. And also Desmond Watson, four-star defense attack out of Arnwood, 6'5", 315-pounder, just uh, was demolishing people at the Rivals camp over the weekend, man. So those three are three guys that I would watch out for, um, for for Junior Day. We'll see what happens. Those, those are some big fireworks. 
and could anchor down this class, man. I'm excited about this recruiting cycle. I think I think it's, we're gonna go. We'll see. We'll see ourselves go up a notch, and, and, and the type of kids we're after, yeah. the type of kids we take early. I don't think um, it's a few on there that may get processed out. I'll wait that out and mm-hmm. see. But um, things are looking up. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I mean, this is, you know, Florida sits as the number four class in the country right now, uh, number one in the SEC. And I would imagine on March 7th, they're only going to continue to solidify, if not move up um, on that spot. Like you said, there's going to probably be some, you know, natural attrition, both, you know, by by players and coaches alike. But, you know, bringing in these players, I mean, you just mentioned four highly regarded and highly recruited, you know, four star players that have been recruited by most schools in the country. So, you know, being able to get those guys on campus, being able to lock them down early to to be able to then build a class around that, you know, then becomes attractive. We've talked about it, Black, you've talked about it too. Uh, you know, you have these anchors of players that people then want to play with, right? Your Tim Tebow, you know, attracted Brandon Spikes and Percy Harvin and other folks. It's getting these these players that people want to play with and, you know, play on the same team with, that that's what helps you solidify, you know, a top five, the top three classes, being able to get these guys early, get them out, talking to their friends before they go on to these, you know, spring ball and seven on seven, and then the rivals camp and Under Armour, you know, camps and Nike camps and all these other camps. You get them committed early and get them excited. Uh, you know, that's what really gets the ball rolling more so than just you know having a good dynamic recruiting staff. Also, speaking of recruiting staff, there were some changes made in areas, uh, especially in Florida. Billy G was moved to to Jacksonville in northeast Florida. And Tim yep. Brewster took over Palm Beach County and, and Broward. Um, just so everybody else know where everybody else is, else is, is in the state. Uh, Coach Turner coaches, uh, recruits the Panhandle. Uh, Heavy C works Tallahassee, north central Florida. Uh, C-Rod works Tampa, Ocala. Uh, English works Orlando Metro area, Gray works Polk County, and then Knox works Space Coast, Cocoa, Melbourne area. Uh, Brian Johnson is Dade County. Grantham, Bradenton, Fort Myers, Southwest Florida. That's pretty much our areas inside the state. I think um, Tim Brewster being in South Florida is going to be great. I don't think he's just going to be limited to to, to Broward and Palm Beach County. I think he's going to be the sniper on a lot of the big targets. So, um, We'll see. I think he's going to get involved in date a little bit, too. I'm not mad with Billy G, Billy G being in uh, 904. No, and, you know, and the same token, you know, Billy G right now is looking to lock in a really solid group of uh, wide receivers to a point where he's going to be able to probably serve on some ancillary recruiting duties, maybe, you know, looking at some, you know, 2022 guys, which is kind of crazy to think about just year-wise. Uh, you know, but putting a guy like Brewster in there, you know, shows you, you know, where Florida's desire to be next year. And like you said, Silk, you know, there's a ton of talent in that, you know, that Tri-County, South Florida area, you know, so having Brewster down there, you know, it's it's no surprise that Brewster and Brian Johnson, who are two of your you know your better recruiters, if not your you know top two, top three recruiters on the team, are down in that area. So there's going to be a ton of talent down there that I know Florida wants to get, especially down in Dade County. Uh, you know, so seeing those two guys down there, you know, really shows where Florida's priority is for for next year. Absolutely. I think that's it. Did we we didn't get any commits. Did we in twenty one? Did I miss anybody? Nope. 
Nope, I don't think. Yeah. I think we got everybody we talked about on last show. Uh, you know, still we're waiting on. You know, uh, you know, people are still asking about Charlie Strong and Kerwin Bell. You know, kind of the rest. I of think these Charlie's going to end up in, um, in I Alabama. About him. Yeah, with Bama over the weekend. So, yep. I expect that to be the move. Go through the saving car wash. I ain't yep. mad at that. Um, would have yeah, been no. a good ad for us. I wanted that. I wanted him yep. on staff to help us out. But if he's going to Bama, I mean, I'm not gonna cry over that. Yo, I get it. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Uh, you know, I think that. Uh, you know, now that Brewster, you know, is officially, you know, on staff, uh, you know, moving forward with, uh, you know, with what that staff or, you know, the, the staff, you know, I would imagine that this is the staff we're going to carry into next year, uh, you know, now is, you know, continuing those interviews. And we've talked a little bit about it. So, like I said, last week, you talked about it on Logo Talk, you know, there's just going to be, you know, a couple other people that have, you know, interviewed, uh, you know, that would be a hell of an addition to the, to this staff as well from an off the field perspective. So I would, you know, I would imagine the next couple of weeks we'll start to see some announcements there, but again, you know, with not much going on and especially with these guys being off the field analysts more so than off the field recruiting staff there's not a huge rush you know unless you're competing against other schools you know for these guys but you know i would imagine the next couple weeks you'll start to see some some names added to that uh you know off the field staff we had an announcement for uh spring spring football start like i'm like i had thought i had on my notes here but i cannot find it uh i think it was march 26th or something like that yeah, I believe uh, I believe so. Um, you know, so they did announce the the orange and blue game, uh, which is my understanding is going to be April eighteenth, uh, which is your third um, Sunday in April. Uh, so yes, so um, I think it's a little bit before then. You know, we'll talk about it on the next episode. Um, We'll get that, but, but, but March or April 18th is the orange and blue debut. We'll be out there. We'll have some sort of tailgate, some sort of event for you guys. Uh, but spring football is in the air. I think it's a little bit earlier than the, uh, uh, than the 26th though. So yeah, we'll have to be if the, if the game's that date. Um, we'll get the date next, next show. Uh, same corner next week. Who got the song? I think you got the song. Oh, I got the song. Mm. Mm. Very good. I got, I got, I got, a, I got a few things in the chamber, um, kind of behind while them. Go while ahead. you're thinking, of, while you're thinking about that, uh, there are three spring practices that are going to be open to the general public: March 16th, March 22nd, and April 2nd, and March 31st. If you're a season ticket holder, yeah, we got to do something for um for the spring game for sure. Yeah. Hey, big shout out to the uh, the Florida Gators that have eleven teams in the top twenty-five. Uh, baseball team went undefeated. Softball team went undefeated. Shout out to Coach mm. Walton's second uh, second fastest coach ever to nine hundred victories. Uh, lacrosse beat the number one team in the country. Um, basketball beat Vanderbilt. I know there's other sports that I'm forgetting, but big shout out, big weekend in Gator sports. Let me, uh, Cam. Let me get bass lit. You know, something a little groovy, a little chill. It's Dan's first time hearing this. It is my first time. <laughs> hey, same corner next week. Yeah, hey, same, same time, same corner, man. Yeah, yeah. Girl, it's been a while since I hit a wide out.
though she a centiphobe. Big old blunt look like tentacles. She stripping Europe in a pole. Don't remember her in her clothes. I fucked a friend, damn, they was close. Let's reunite, let's get them close. Hit them twice in a row. Hit a flight and I'm ghost. That's the last time I seen her though. She be getting too eager. Ho, stamping likes my visa. Chiefing off of these berries. When the world gets heavy and it hurts to carry, I'm a midnight mercenary. Fiend, it's lit. Feel the buzz. That's a hat. Shit, it was. It's lit. Feel the buzz. It's lit. Feel the buzz. She take me to a place that I never would discover. Might never have another. So I had to fuck it. Reaching in my pockets, damn, I ain't got a rubber. See my nigga Ryan like L. Ryan Hubbard. He be out of space. Say he got a case of straps in the back of the hotel cupboard. Room 508, checked by the safe. She said, boy, you got it made. Do you got a cape? I ain't with the games, mind you. I gotta wait. I'm quiet, impatient, intoxication. Got me feeling like procreating. Girl, I'm the baker, you surely caking. Stand back, catch my amazing graces. Photo finishing, fornication. Photo finishing, fornication. Fiend. It's lit. So people would think I just took it straight through. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many truths you can hide in flows. I'm listening to this beat with my eyelids closed. Thoughts keep flashing and I keep laughing. I never thought that I would fuck Irish hoes. Maybe Asian bitches or Caucasian bitches. Remember when I got to New York, I was lost because all I ever saw was Jamaican bitches. I ain't barely know what jam rock was. Little country nigga, goddamn I was. Till you niggas talking online until you make it decide and you can never understand this buzz. Well, maybe if you put yourself in the shoes of a nigga coming straight out the South. No gold grill, just the East Coast feel and a set of crooked teeth in his mouth. Like them hoes bounce. That can't get enough. Niggas say I made it, I ain't make it enough. Man, hang that nigga. You a real lame man, nigga. If you ain't got my tape in your truck. Cold. Um, where don't you forget that? I think I lost my mind around the same time I lost my six pack. But <laughs> no sit up for me. Long as my dick still get up for me. Long as a hoe still give up for me. She usually charge, but she get us for free. Whoa. That's TMI. Little something like TMZ. Scared of the days you'll be seeing me. Cause my girl do not play Coach DMP. There's something for the hoop fans, just cop that a coop man No drop top but a slot on the roof that can slide out And get a little sun while you ride out Said on the beat, let me vibe out We was 15 with an ASR up in my house Writing rhymes out, mama made it happen Could have been a lawyer but I made it rapping <laughs> He made it rapping Now with the shows, he the main attraction Another shot of Henny so I'm faded Asking how long do this drug called fame be lasting Shout out Henny, so I'm faded, asking how long do this drug call fame be lasting? That's deep. 